Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Megan Sinisi, a Master of Health Science candidate studying to practice as a pediatric speech-language pathologist. I am also Miss Central Pennsylvania and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. And I am Francesca D'Alessandro, a current master's student at University of Buffalo studying speech-language pathology. Additionally, I am your Miss Thousand Islands of New York State, serving my community through AAA Appreciation and Awareness for Autism. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones, and we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Dana Young-Askew was raised and resides in Virginia Beach, Virginia. She works for an international logistics firm. Dana is married and has five beautiful children. Her youngest son, Drayden, lives with autism. With input from Drayden's siblings, Dana has written a children's book about autism. The book titled Come Meet Drayden is unique in the fact that it's told from a perspective of the siblings of a person with autism. Come Meet Drayden explores some of the day-to-day -day events and behaviors that may happen to a child with autism. With writing this book, Dana hopes to expose children to autism. Her ultimate goal is for kids to start asking questions and to have conversations about autism and to start those conversations at a young age. Dana believes that dialogue about different abilities has a direct impact on acceptance. So Dana, thank you so much for being here with us again today. We learned a lot about you and your family and your work for the autism community. We're excited to dive in deeper into it today. So we've talked about Drayden's diagnosis and daily life with autism, but what are some things that you enjoy doing together as a family, such as your favorite travel spot or maybe a family tradition that you like to do all together? Yeah, so for us, anything to do with water, my kids love, love, love water. Um, so if it's a play park, if it's a pool, if it's just loading up some buckets and splashing and playing. Um, I live in Virginia Beach, so we love to go to the beach. Um, we live about 10 minutes from the oceanfront, so that's always nice to be able to go to the oceanfront and play around. Um, and as far as trips, we like to go to North Carolina a lot. Um, everyone in my family besides me loves outdoors, so they love to camp, and I come along for moral support, um, so they like to camp. Um, the zoo is a huge favorite. My kids all love animals, and so do my husband. Um, and so that's something, the zoo is another hit for us. Uh, it's a way we can learn and educate and be outdoors and sort of get our wiggles out and see other experiences. And we always learn a fun little fact every time we're there. So that's nice. Yeah, the zoo is always a fun place to go. Aquariums too. <laughs> I'm sure they probably love going to the aquarium if they love the water. I'm scared they're going to get inside. So we haven't, <laughs> tried, we haven't quite done that yet. Like I can see them. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, I think an interesting topic is protesting, and which is part of self-advocating. We are so used to teaching kids to say yes, but it's also important to teach kids to say no, especially give, when we're giving them options and not invalidating when they say no. So if there's a, a a question like, oh, do you want to take your math test? And they say, no, well, it's not really a choice. We have yeah. to make them take their math test. But in giving them that option, we're invalidating 
them saying no and protesting, but we can give them that empowerment to say no and mean it in other situations. So how has Drayden been able to advocate for himself and what does that usually look like? Yeah, I think that for us, for me in general, it's really taught me the power of your words. Um, I've become, I've always been a very strong um, person, but I've really become very intentional uh, with my speech and how I ask or how I say stuff and not even just to Drayden, just all around. Um, it's a very direct approach um, because I've learned with Drayden, even if I say, um, hey, Drayden, do you want to go ahead and pick that up? No. Right. So he doesn't really understand like the fluff things or the nice things. He needs like the meat and potatoes of every sentence. Right. Like, Jaden picked that up. Um, and I've learned to listen to him. So when he says no, it's like he really means no. And I've had to learn if I respect that, then that helps communication. Because if he says no, but I still make him do it, I don't think he understands what that no means anymore, right? The power of the no sort of goes away. Um, and so I really learned, just really learn and listen. Um, and that's one thing I love about Drayden is he's able to be so uh, unapologetically truthful um, for my other kids, you know, I went to an in-law's house before and they had something that they really didn't like. And I just told my kids, like, just, just try a couple bites. Right. And so they did. And so I sat there and with Drayden, he was like, oh, yucky. Like, so he doesn't even have that ability to try to like do what makes other people feel comfortable. Or he's just like flat out, mom, no, like this, I do not want, I not want, I not want. I said, okay, Drayden, I get it. Right. Loud and clear. Um, and so it made me have that uncomfortable conversation and it really made me look in within myself because it was like, what am I teaching my kids to um, accept or to mask or to, you know, make other people feel comfortable at the cost of themselves? And they're like, mom, I don't like this. And I was still like, well, just eat it because someone else will feel good. Um, so it really taught me to really look at myself and what I believe in my own core values and how I communicate. Um, so just raising um outspoken kids, but also respectful and uh, kind and courteous. So just balancing that, that all at once. Yeah. And that touches upon a very important conversation that people need to have in the autism community and, and spread it to neurotypical or people that don't often come in contact with people with autism, because it's a big misconception that people with autism have no empathy or lack empathy because they sometimes are so literal and they're, yeah. they, they think, I don't want to say narrow-minded, but literal, you know? So yeah. if, if they're given the opportunity to say no, and, and they do say no about something or say that they don't like something, it's not that they're being rude or that they're, they're not considering the other person's feelings. It's just you, let, let's say they, they were, Drayden was asked, do you like this dinner? Well, he's probably not going to tell a lie just to yeah. protect someone's feelings, but he's, he doesn't see it as being unkind. He's just answering the question that was asked to him. <laughs> so I think that's important to, to understand from an outsider's perspective that just because they're literal and they answer specifically the questions that they're asked doesn't mean that they lack empathy or that they're unkind individuals. So I love that you've also touched upon how to raise them with respect, but give them the opportunity to say no when they truly mean no. That's very important for children to understand. 
So in our previous episode, you told us a little bit about your autism candle. So we would love to share more with about that with our viewers and where they can purchase them, what inspired you to create this project, and a little bit more about the organization that they benefit. Yeah, so um, I wanted to figure out a way to be able to give back um, to this organization because they were doing so much work that I was um, inspired by. Um, and so I love candles. And one day the idea just sort of came to me. I do a lot of journaling and, you know, I was talking about like a candle line. I was like, well, April is Autism Awareness Month. So I was like, um, and so my really good girlfriend, she uh, has a, her own candle shop. And so I talked to her and she loved the idea. Um, she was like, you know, she's one of those people I have in my tribe. She knows how uh, close autism is and how it's affected the family. Um, and so she was like, just let me know. Um, so we started the idea of I wanted to have two smells that were contrast of each other, but I also wanted to keep them very clean because I do understand that there's um, sensory, sometimes can be sensory overload or just too much, or sometimes things can cause headaches. Um, and so I came up with two different smells. Um, and so uh, we have awareness and acceptance and actually have awareness here with me. I don't know if you can see it, but this is awareness. Um, and it has a more uh, fun label. It is a more of a fun smell. Um, and it has hints of jasmine and tonka and citrus in it. Um, and then it has a line and it says, I like this for, and you fill in your loved one's name that has autism, or it could be a client. I've had teachers buy it for and bright students. Um, and so it's like a little way to personalize it. And it's just like a token reminder of like who you light your candle for. Um, and it sounds sort of like, cause it has a wooden wick. And so it sounds like a little campfire. So some people like that crackling type of noise. They like that like uh, visual or that audio of watching the fire and then hearing it. Um, but they're both nine ounces. They're soy and they're hand poured in Virginia um, and they're non-toxic. And then this one is accepted. Um, and this is more like playing into like the red instead, um, more of a clean mature. Um, and so this one is frankincense and amber. Um, so it's very much clean, um, mature. Um, so they're very different, but they're, um, they also play into to each other. So people, it's funny to watch people smell them because instantly I can see like where they gravitate to. Um, so that's been good, but I love to be able to, A, have a physical token reminder, something you can hold in hand, um, and then also be able to give back some of the proceeds go to Advocating for Kids, um, and they're a nonprofit here in Virginia who helps with IEPs, connecting people to services, educating parents about different resources and support, educating the community, um, standing in and advocating and standing alongside um, not just the autistic uh, individual, but their families as well. So helping them navigate that school system that can sometimes be tough, um, giving them information about maybe what services or things that their child could get or qualify for. So just really having someone in your corner, because for me, I have a huge supportive family huge supportive network, but I know everyone doesn't have that. So to be able to have that, um, I wanted to be able to give back to help more people access that resource. So yeah, those are our two candles, acceptance and awareness. I don't know if you can see behind me. I have, I always have a candle 
in my general area because I am obsessed with candles. I will definitely be checking those out, especially after you explain that they have a wooden wick because I'm obsessed with those types of candles. And I love the idea of lighting the flame of acceptance every time I go to put a candle on. That's so cute. Yeah, thanks. And as we continue to share more about the projects you're working on, what do you hope to achieve in the future, not just for your family, but for yourself as well? I think for me, I just want to a, continue to be teachable and to learn. Um, I want to be able to be a resource to other families. I really believe in community. Um, I think I was able to get this far. I know I was able to get this far because I have people behind me, um, people who embrace straight in. Both sides of my family, my husband and my my side of the family, have never been like you know hesitant or. Um, excluding him they have really just embraced him for who he is and how he is and that makes a world of a difference it breaks my heart when I hear families say either they weren't invited or they weren't agreeing family members weren't agreeing with the diagnosis or challenging things because I think it makes it harder to move forward in the process when you're having to battle you know the people you love the most Um, And so I really hope to just be a resource to people, uh, be a resource to different people where they can reach out, they can ask questions. Um, I love people have been, um, I constantly get inboxes where people have shared their stories and their own experiences with me. Um, That's really fulfilling. It makes everything that I do worth it because I know that it's mattering to someone. Um, So yeah, I just really want to continue to do the work. And I believe that um, if we leave the door a little bit more open for the people that come in behind us, it just makes it better. So I'm grateful for everything that the people have done before me. Um, and I hope that I just leave the door a little bit more open for those that come after Drayden. Yeah. And I'm sure that throughout the process of learning and then pinning down what it is that you hope to accomplish for yourself and your family, you've learned a lot of lessons along the way. So as you've learned to adapt your parenting style and your approach with with Drayden that may have been much different than your other children, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned over the years by being his mother and then raising him within a large family? Yeah, so I think for me, I've learned that we took out the word fair in our home only because for us, fair is very relative, right? Um, I think it does the kids sort of a disservice when we constantly look for like, what is fair, right? Because things aren't going to look fair. Life isn't fair. Um, And I think when we look for that, we just set ourselves up for like constant like failure and disappointment because it's going to be unfair. Um, And so, but we look to see like, you know, what's reasonable right? So I give them an example. My oldest stays up later than the little kids, and that's not fair, but it's reasonable, right? He's older, he doesn't need as much rest, and he can get himself ready in the morning. Mm -hmm. But in the same token, I said, my oldest has more chores than the youngest, and it's not fair, but he gets more, so he has to do more. Um, So I think for us, it's really looking at, like, taking the work fair off, looking and teaching kids about, like, perspective and how it looks like. I understand why it seems that way to you, but let me try to help you. And even if they don't understand it now, sometimes I know words sit with us and when it makes sense, it finally all clicks. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, They have their little light bulb moment. And so I also think too, is I'm really learning from my kids. Like we spoke about in the previous episode, they teach me constantly the right amounts of like holding Drayden accountable and also giving him grace. 
So a lot of times as parents, we're like, oh, he can't do this or he doesn't understand. And the kids are like, no, mom, he gets it. He knows how to clean up. And they're like, Draden, clean up your stuff. Um, and so it's really been like me also learning from them. And I think the last thing is just really providing a safe space. So letting them know like all of your feelings are valid. All of your experiences are valid. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Dad wants to hear what you have to say. So we can help you go through them because we want to have a safe spot because it can be hard. Um, some seasons are hard with us with autism and trying to figure out things. And we know how to, you know, what our self-care things are as adults or how to navigate or process through them. But kids don't have that ability. Um, so it's also important for us to continue to just have an open, safe spot and let them know, you know, like we spoke about before, autism is no one's fault. They couldn't have done anything differently. Um, but just let them know, like, this is a safe spot. And I understand that it doesn't seem fair. And it's probably not fair that Drayden gets to eat some of the same things over and over that you love, but you have to eat chicken and rice tonight. You know, it's really not fair. And I get, you know, that you don't like that, but that's, that's a reality. And sometimes that's just where we're at. So we just have to navigate that. But, you know, my kids are definitely kind and understanding and they're so resilient now. And they're so in tune with their own emotions that I'm just proud to see. And I'm excited to see who they turn out to be. And they have so much to offer this world. So I'm excited. And on the topic of fairness, I think that ties directly to equity and how do we best accommodate our children in the classroom or at home when they need different levels of support. So for example, if a child needs extra breaks to emotionally regulate or to regulate their sensory um, input, it's not necessarily a reward as other children might see it. So it might not seem fair to the other children, but that is what that child with autism needs to be able to function in the classroom is, are those extra breaks for sensory regulation or whatnot. And it might, like you said, not seem fair to some of the other children, but that is what is needed to make that space equitable for everyone to learn in a safe space. Yeah, that's so true. Um, like I said, I think it, when we talk about things early, um, so for me, it's even like, hey, you guys see how Drayden is spinning and spinning and spinning. Let's get him his ball so that way he's able to probably able to sit a little bit longer. Um, so I think when we just have a safe space and open conversation, um, it's easier for kids because if they're just seeing things happen, like I said, they internalize it. So we're not talking about why somebody has tennis, tennis balls at the bottom of their chair because they can't handle the screeching noise of the chairs going in and out. And they just see tennis for bright orange tennis balls on someone else's chair. It becomes an internal thing. Like, why do they get this? Why don't I? But if you're, if you have that conversation, you know, it might be feeling some shucks. I would love that too, but then they're able to understand and process through those emotions. So I think if we just continue to have those conversations and we have to realize that kids don't have the ability to understand that things happen because they just happen. And it's not always because of them. So I think as adults, if we lean and learn and come from that perspective, I think it makes it a lot easier, you know, because sometimes we think like, oh, they'll understand or they don't know this, but they do. And then when we don't talk about it, it makes it like an elephant in the room. And then it, they make it about them, right? Like, 
do I have to do what he's doing to get that ball? So I just think if we have those conversations and we understand and we come from a perspective of um, realizing, like I said, kids don't understand that the world doesn't revolve around them. Right. And I think that's a lesson some people uh, still take with them into their adulthood and we're always learning. Um, But uh, shifting gears a little bit on the topic of this past year, especially, we know that the change in routine and schedule and work-life balance has changed dramatically. So how have you as a family or you as a person adjusted to those changes and managed those curveballs, especially to support Drayden? Yeah, so it's been an adjustment. Like I said, I work in logistics and I was sent home. Um, and we, I never noticed how much I didn't know about the care, supports, and services that he was getting until he was sent home and I had a breakdown. Um, I just did not understand the amount of time and work that it really took to, for Drayden to have a functional full week. Um, And I underestimated a lot of things and I'm grateful, you know, was definitely one of those things where I know a lot of people have lost their lives and lost jobs and I respect that and then my heart goes out to them. But also for me, it's become a source of it empowered me because A, I learned a lot of techniques, but also too, I also have a newfound respect for those professionals and those people that are working alongside Drayden and other people. Um, I... I've learned that, you know, some of the things that I took for granted, like, oh, he'll learn that in school or his therapist worked with him in that, or I'll just send that to school with him. Um, I've learned to start doing some of the work and extending grace, right? So when the therapist doesn't quite do something or we're not quite hitting a goal, you know, I understand that training can be tough. Like, it's not always easy. So for me, it's been one of those things where I've learned a lot about his services. Um, it's been hard because some of the services have been cut back because either they have lost therapists or they can't give everyone the same amount of hours. So to give everyone some type of services, you know, whereas we were getting four hours, you know, five days a week, we might get two hours every other day, right? Um, and that's a huge transformation. So even for work, um, I've really had to cut back on the amount of overtime or the accessibility that I've had to work because I don't have that direct contact with those professionals that I had before. Um, I'm definitely a parent that likes the stack services. So he was getting APA, ABA and respite care and those type of things. And those hours were just cut back because they weren't able to fill them all. Um, and so it's been a learning lesson. I've become more hands-on in some of his training and his therapies. Um, and like I said, I have that newfound Um, respect, but it also just made me want to get more involved. Um, I think for me, just in this season of life where um, work was a huge priority to me before and just really committing a lot of time to it, I think now um, my, in this season, I'm really committed to really understanding and learning and growing with Drayden and getting him the services that he needs um, and learning tools that I can use because I pray to God we never have another pandemic, but if certain stuff does happen, I want to be able to set him up for success. Um, Then I'm also grateful too, and I have the privilege where I live in an area um, that's very heavily funded where uh, he was only out for about a month and a half before he went back. 
Um, and he does go to a year-long program through the school. Um, so he's picked up around 8 a.m. and dropped off around 4 p.m. Um, so he has a heavy dose, and he gets ABA, I mean, he gets speech and physical therapy and occupational therapy during school. Um, the public school system that he's in is like there's a school within a school where it's a specialized program where there are only kids with autism in his program. So he's still in public school, um, but it's a specialized program. Um, that's definitely a privilege. He um, was able to get early interventions. So a lot of services that um, being in this area has afforded me that I understand that a lot of people don't have access to. Um, so just really advocating and helping people understand the services that are out there. Um, so yeah, I think that's really been my uh, biggest takeaway is really getting more involved, more hands-on and extending grace to those professionals um, because it can be a lot. Right. And, and something that a lot of families have turned to over the past year, especially during the pandemic, is online resources. So just like you, a lot of parents have had to step into the role of a therapist or a teacher, which is not always what parents are used to or what they have backgrounds in. So it's definitely been a challenging year, but I'm glad to hear that you've learned something from it that you can carry on going forward post-COVID and once we can all kind of return to our normal lives, but on the topic of turning to online resources, we, we hope to share with our viewers or any parents that might be listening about resources that are autism related and that are credible and might really give them some good support. So do you have any autism related, related social media accounts that you follow or resources that you enjoy turning to whenever you need some support? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned to do is listen to actually autistic individuals. Um, so I really like following um, non-functioning um, autism. I think that's her handle. Uh, she is a mother. She's also autistic. She uses AAC device. Um, she's just been phenomenal just to educate me on what life can look like going further um, and just respecting Drayden's sometimes choice to not use uh, speech but use his device or writing or signing as another form of communication. Um, so that's been an eye-opener where I was so hung up like you have to speak, you have to speak. It's definitely taught me something new. Um, Autism in Black, I really like that platform. I connect well with there. There's a lot of resources, a lot of shared um, live life experiences. Um, the conference was really good hearing from other speakers, uh, other parents, other uh, professionals. Um, so that's a resource that I really um, like. Uh, there is um, Mama Lips. She is a autism mom in South Carolina who has a younger um, autistic son. She's also an illustrator um, and she uses her platform with illustration and just also as a parent to really advocate. Um, I really like, I think it's called actually Autistic TikToks. They're on Instagram. Um, and there's just a wealth of information from these young adults who have been in these situations who can teach us so much. Because um, I feel like I'm a part of the community, but I have to remind myself like, you're not really a part of the community because you don't have autism, but I just feel so connected. So that um, that Instagram has also been good. And like I said, the Advocacy for Kids has been a, a wonderful resource. So yeah, those are some of my um, top favorite. Oh, and I do like, um, I can't remember her thing, but her, her daughter's name is Lilac. 
um, and she is a autism, autism mom herself. Um, and she really just shows lilac and what life is like and um, a different perspective of autism. So yeah, I like mixing up between parents, professionals and uh, organizations and um, just getting a little bit of perspective with those websites or those pages. They always share good websites, good links, good information, uh, conferences that has really, really helped me. Yeah, and I encourage all of our viewers, even if you do not have a direct tie to the autism community, so you might not feel like you necessarily need to start following these accounts, I really encourage you to start following some of the accounts that she had just mentioned, because creating an, uh, a community of diversity and inclusion really starts by what we see and interact with on a daily level. Um, so just by following some of these accounts and starting to engage and like and comment, can really change your perspective on a lot of different issues and topics within our communities. But um, kind of switching gears again, what advice would you have to share with parents who are navigating a newer diagnosis of autism? And what are some of the things that you've learned throughout Drayton's and your own journey? Yes, I really would tell people to take it slow, to take in information because I know that you're looking for some type of validation or answers, but also vet through it and look at it logically because there's so much information out there. Um, some of it's outdated, some of it's not supported, um, and really, really just look into how you can move forward. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up on like the why or how did it happen or what we could have done different or what, you know, 10 years can look like. Um, but what I've learned is look at like what I can do now and the furthest I look ahead for Drayden is like 30 days sometimes. Because emotionally, sometimes I can't go 5, 10, 15, 20 years because I have to be able to function on what he needs today, what he needs this week for school, right? what he needs next month, getting him through his IEP. So if I look like, will he ever get married? Will he ever talk? Will he graduate from high school with a diploma? You know, will he drive? Will he, you know, have sexual relations? If I look too far in advance, that can cause me so much extra unneeded anxiety because that's what anxiety is, is fear of the future. Um, and so it's okay to have those thoughts, but I've, I've learned to be very mindful. And when I find myself getting too far, channel it like it, right? I have to handle today, right? So I let myself go 30 months days out, let's plan the month, but after there, like we're not going too much further. Um, so even when people, you know, set appointments for, well, let's meet with Drayden at this, I'm like, okay, let's pencil me in because at this point I can't go that far, right? I might have every intention of going, but if he's going through a sleep regression, we're not going to any appointments because we're not even sleeping, right? If he's having a fit that day, I have every intention, I respect the doctor's time, but I can't get him out the house, right? Um, Drayden's only gonna get bigger and stronger um, and he's already a pretty tall little boy. Um, so I try not to put, well, I don't allow myself to put too much pressure on myself because then I can get into dealing with anxiety or anxious feelings or stressing myself out. And I'm no good to Drayden or myself <clears throat> or my husband or my other kids or any other roles I play if I'm not healthy for myself. So I really just learned like, yeah, there's things that I would love to do or have aspiration or it would be nice, but I have to live in today, right? I have to live in this week. I have to get through next week. So I give myself 30 days out um, and that's about as far as I go. So I really uh, encourage parents to see like what you can do immediately to make sure they live the best life for them. 
not what you've been taught is typical or what you've been taught is happiness. Because for me, Drayden's as happy as they come. Um, he doesn't know what's going on in the climate with the police, racial tensions, voting, elections, um, just day-to-day taxes, anything. Drayden is as happy and as content. And so when I look back now, I would have never thought this would have been a happy life, but I can say he's happy, right? He's safe, he's content, and he's at home. So those are things that are very, very um, important to me. So I encourage families to, yeah, do your research, um, but just vet it out with definitely, um, you know, logic and common sense. Find the community of people who have been in your steps before who can let you know, like it, not textbook, but let you know, like it literally will be okay. It's hard, you'll get through it. We've been through it. You'll come through on the other side as a stronger person um, and as a much more compassionate person. And also to just give yourself time to get through everything and just don't go too far ahead. Yeah, and by demonstrating that as a parent, you're showing Drayden and your children that it's okay to take it day by day too. So we get so tied up in planning and preparing that we, like you said, get very overly anxious about the future. And especially for a young child with autism, they might rely on routine, but their day might look very different day to day. So giving them the opportunity to feel empowered, to just take it one day at a time and to start to think about how today might look different from tomorrow and tomorrow we'll handle those challenges that day but today we're just focusing on what we have in front of us so speaking about empowering our kids and our students to actively be involved in community and actively be involved in their own plan of care how are what are some ways that you encourage others to empower individuals with autism so that people aren't making decisions on their behalf, but that they can feel empowered to speak up for what they truly need and want. Yeah, there's this quote I saw that said, know about us without us. And that's really what I try to live by. So I really try to make sure if I'm attending an event or I'm planning an event that they actually have autistic input because I can only speak from the perspective of a parent. I always preface my conversations, my opinions with that. I'm speaking from the perspective of a parent. Um, And so I think it's very important for us to continue to listen to those who have these lived life experiences. But I also said, just talk to them, you know, talk to the community, ask them what accommodations or really what services they need, because sometimes they will let us know what they need. And we may guess or think we know what they need. And it turns out to not really be uh, functional or what they need. So I think just having those conversations and really listening to others' lived life experiences can really be um, the biggest advocacy or uh, way to be an ally. Right, and sometimes needs change too, because yeah. we, like you said, we're constantly learning and growing and as we're giving individuals support, hopefully they're starting to manage and be more independent in their own life. So something that they might've needed before, they might not need anymore and vice versa, maybe something that they never struggled with before, they now need extra support. So always um, always just checking in just to make sure that they are still receiving the support that they need. And as we are concluding our conversation today, what are just some ways that you encourage self-care for yourself and for your children? 
Yeah, so for me, self-care is not like a huge buzz thing. It's just the small thing. So drinking my water, taking my vitamins, taking a shower daily, um, talking on the phone, not just like social media, but talking on the phone, making sure those connections with other humans stay um, strong. I think to me, those small things, doing things that I love, Um, I'm definitely not beyond pampering myself, but I do like to try to uh, let people know that it doesn't have to be that extravagant because some people can't afford those luxuries or don't have support services in place to be able to do that, but they still need self-care. So I think when we're taking care of ourselves, like our physical being, um, so that way we can stay healthy for ourselves and for our kiddos and our families. But yeah, I just tell people simple things and people are like, oh, Oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes those are things we don't even do, right? Like, make sure we wash our face two times a day, brush your teeth, you know, drink all your water, get out, move, walk, get some fresh air. Uh, I talk to parents sometimes who are having breakdowns, and I'm like, when's the last time you've been outside? They're like, two days ago, going to the store. So it's like, you didn't really go outside, you walked to your car, right? Um, And so those small things that we can do to check in with ourselves, make sure we stay healthy physically and mentally. I is what I really focus on when I talk about self-care because I don't want it to be not obtainable, right? Pedicures and manicures and hair and lashes are definitely something I indulge in, but I also find my privilege in being able to do that. And I don't want people to feel like, well, I can't do self-care because I can't afford it, you know? Right. And I feel like that's not even part of self-care. That is just the extras that make life even better. Self-care is all about taking care of your body and your mind and making sure that you're in a healthy place. But I know Megan and I have learned so much just from our time speaking to each other. And we're looking forward to all that is in store for you and your family and support you on your journey and Drayden as much as we can in the future. So thank you so much for visiting with us, Dana. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about her projects, please visit her website at www.myautismcandle.com. You can follow her on Instagram at Come Meet Drayden and also uh, her Facebook group, which is Come Meet Drayden as well. So thank you and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Miss Central Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi. And Miss Thousand Islands, Francesca D'Alessandro. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected to autism professionals and self-advocates. And just remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism. 